confusing, odd, mysterious. These are some of the adjectives people have applied to the parable we have in our gospel. The parable of the dishonest steward, a a parable that's considered probably the most confusing parable Jesus gives us. I know we just heard it, but let's rehash the just a few of the key details so we're on the same page. It involves a steward, a manager. Think of this as like an accountant that a rich man hires to manage his finances. And he's going to be fired. So, realizing his prospects are pretty dim, he hatches a dishonest plot. He's going to call in his master's debtors, all the people who owe his master uh, money, goods, and he's going to slash their debt. You know, there's a, someone owes his master a hundred measures of olive oil, he slashes it in half. And he's doing this illegally, right? He's stealing from his master in the hopes that he wins favor with these debtors, and when he's kicked to the curb, maybe one of these debtors will bring him in, uh, will, will give him a job, bring him into his house. But the twist, the, the unexpected part of this parable is how the master reacts when he finds out. He's been cheated again, but he commends this steward for acting prudently. And then Jesus says, Jesus says, for the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. You can see why people say it's confusing. What's going on here? Well, it's not the immorality of the steward that we're called to imitate. Jesus isn't saying it's good uh, to lie and cheat and steal. It's his shrewdness, uh, the decisive way that he acts to secure his future. You know, really, what this parable is about is Jesus is saying that when it comes to the salvation of our souls and the spreading of our kingdom, spreading of the kingdom of God, we ought to act with at least the same ingenuity, effort, and drive that this dishonest steward acted to secure his future, his material future here on earth. That's the message of the parable. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we typically don't approach our spiritual life, the care of our souls with the same drive and ingenuity of, say, the dishonest steward does. Uh, The dishonest steward approaches securing his future. You know, often we can have this mediocre tendency, right? This mediocre temptation to, to kind of just do the bare minimum spiritually. To kind of give God attention and devotion when it's convenient, when it's easy. Imagine what the world would be like, though, if we heeded the message of this parable. If we treated holiness, growing closer to God, as the great adventure the ultimate challenge of our life. We would be radically different. Our world would be radically different. How do we do that? How do we pursue holiness the way this dishonest steward pursued securing his future? Well, I'll say where we can begin, and that's with time. First, with how we think about time. You know, we need to recognize that our time is not our own. It's not really our time to begin with. We begin the Easter vigil, the the holiest night of the year, 
with these words, Christ yesterday and today, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, all time belongs to Him. Christ is the Lord of time, and Christ has made us a steward of the time we have on earth. He's given it to us, and He's made us a steward of that time. We need to be a good steward. And you know, seeing the time we have each day not as something that we own, but as something God has given us, has made us a steward of, that does change the dynamic, doesn't it? I mean, I'm as guilty of anyone of complaining that a meeting wastes time or something or other is wasting time, right? But it's not my time to begin with. So how can we be a good steward of the time God has given us? Well, I'll say two things on this. So first, a while back, I noticed on my cell phone that it was tracking the hours that I spent on the phone each day. And I was, I was pretty much aghast when I saw the total number of hours I was spending on it daily. And some of that was legitimate stuff, you know, emails, phone calls, text messages for work, uh, looking things up for work. But a lot of it was simply wasting time, right? Simply wasting time. Christ, he ends this gospel with the line, we cannot serve two masters, we cannot serve God and mammon, and maybe it's a good question to ask ourselves whether we are the masters of our electronic devices or whether they are the masters of us. Can we cut back on the time we waste in front of a screen? So maybe the first way that we can begin to be a good steward of the time God gives us is that we can evaluate where we are wasting time that could be spent better. Secondly, we have to return some of our time each day to the Lord in prayer. There are lots of ways to pray, but I'm going to focus on one, praying before the Blessed Sacrament. We can all take some time each day to come and pray before our Lord, really, truly present in the Eucharist, which is kept in the tabernacle right here in the front and center of this church. We can all find five or 10 or 20 minutes to come here daily to speak to our Lord from our heart, to cast our cares on him and to listen to him. Why is that so important? Well, praying before the Blessed Sacrament, it is the great means of allowing the Lord to heal us and to sanctify us, to make us holy. When we regularly take time to bend the knee before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, he transforms us, not immediately, typically, but usually it's bit by bit, day by day, slowly but surely, he transforms us. He waits for us in the tabernacle to come to him, to come to him with our failings, with our imperfections, with the burdens of our sins, so that he can do for us what we are incapable of doing for ourselves, so that he can make us the saints he created us to be. Let us be good stewards of the time on this earth our Lord has given us. Let us resolve to give some of that time back to him each and every day in prayer, to bend the knee before Christ really present in the blessed sacrament each and every day.